Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. It's been called the silent epidemic and mental health is a big issue at the moment in Australia and countries around the world, but it's also a big issue in divorce and in negotiations and proceedings. So today we're going to be talking about um, mental health and how it's viewed in the court system and how it is dealt with through property and children's matters and mediation, and also how you can work around it during your negotiations and divorce proceedings. Uh, this is a trigger warning mm. for anybody that does have mental health issues or is dealing with a mental health issue. And of course, if you need any assistance or help after listening to this, please call Lifeline on 131114. But welcome, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Now, today, you noticed something in the paper. We were going to talk about something else, but you yes, noticed something in the paper. So it, they, uh, they're calling it um, mental health, the silent or hidden epidemic. And um, on some views, they're saying it's worse than COVID. Um, and, you know, it, it probably, uh, it has been on the increase since the lockdowns, I guess, but it's always been an issue in divorce and separation. So we thought we'd talk mm. about that today. And thank you, Laura, for agreeing. Mm. And I, yeah, and I guess that's the main part. I think if if, uh, if lawyers and barristers and judges aside, uh, when you go through divorce, regardless of whether you're the one who left or they left, you know, just that alone can cause some mental health issues. If you're sad or upset, uh, depressed, anxious, worried, um, you know, all of those kind of parts that people mm. go through that 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 roller yep. coaster of emotions but on top of that um, people may already be depressed or um, having other mental health issues personality disorders which may be the reason why the divorce is occurring yep. in the first place yes. so and and mum do you when the people that you work with and have seen is there always a small element of mental it, health? It, it is either in uh, a way of protecting the, their mental health through the process, but um, nearly everyone that we see is just a walking bundle of emotions, even if they've initiated the separation. Mm. There's that regret and grief. Um, and then if they didn't initiate it, there's that and, and just when they're at their very most vulnerable and, and wondering what's going to happen, the uh, lawyer with no people skills usually <laughs> um, and the court who, who has to just be very businesslike and matter of fact expects people to be making decisions and doing things, uh, you know, in line with the act. And I think the court is only just beginning to recognise the that unless people are in a good space in their heads, um, the cases are going to not run well. I guess you look at it with children. Uh, when I used to be a teacher, if a child was acting out and doing some, you know, naughty behaviours, it's usually because something bad's going on at home yeah. or they've got, you know, something going on in the background. And I guess that's the same with court. You know, if you've got these two two respondent and applicants and they're going gangbusters each other maybe it's because of the underlying issues that yeah. are going on behind the scenes let's talk about mum um so there's 
is there's elements that are dealt with with mental health in the property side of things of divorce, the children's side of things of divorce and mm. mediation. So let's talk about property first. How is mental health accommodated for or viewed mm. in by the court through the property lens if someone's going through property? It comes up in a couple of ways, okay? So it may come up in terms of uh, a person's capacity to work, going forward if they're mentally unwell, even if they've been successful in business or whatever that means, but or working full-time, they may not be able to work going forward for some time because of their mental health. Um, and that, um, if it's severe enough, um, can reflect in a, an, increase, an increased percentage of the property pool to that person who no longer has the capacity to work or who will need time to recover to be able to go back to work. Um, it's also relevant uh, to some extent if someone's had um, a lot of mental health issues during the marriage. That's quite um, uh, that does sort of limit their ability to contribute. But the court only looks at that um, as though as any other disability. You know, um, it's like a broken leg or a broken arm, and you know the extent to which it made someone's contribution a bit more onerous. But generally, it is more impacted in look, looking forward as to their possibility of them going to work, being able to support themselves. Okay, and that's, and I guess you're referring there to yep, future section seventy five two or the de facto equivalent. Mm. And if you're interested in learning more about future needs and if you have mental health issues that you think are significantly impacting your ability to work in the future, have a listen to the episode Future Needs. We'll put it in the show notes and mum gives you all the details that you need to know about that, that element in the property part. Um, so, okay, so we've got that mental health in the mm. future needs. So maybe, you know, there's someone that can't work as well they're going to need support mm. so that's how court considers that what about in children case children's cases so custody yeah. uh, parental responsibility so for example maybe our listener has depression mm. and i don't know some sort of yeah. other mental health issues so how does that affect in children's cases through the court uh, side well the cases generally um deal with it this way sometimes it's not unusual for someone to be depressed, of course, or they acknowledge it's not unusual for a person to be temporarily depressed, even if they're normally quite well. Um, and then there are the people who have ongoing issues like depression or anxiety. The court looks at it in, in two ways. They look at it if it's treated um, or if it's untreated. So if you have a, a mental health condition for which you are uh, medication compliant, taking your medicine, regularly checking in with your doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, then the court is happy to accept that you you um, will be going forward um, able to parent the children effectively because you've put in appropriate medical support. And again, to draw that analogy with someone who had, you know, like a broken leg, can they manage the children? Well, yes, if they've got crutches, wheelchair, whatever they need to help them to function properly. So you just look for outside assistance. The, the court's uh, worried more about untreated uh, mental health issues if they are impacting on your parenting ability and impacting the children. So they worry about children who, uh, for one reason or another, become carers of their 
their parents. They, they become parentified. Usually the eldest child in the family will be looking after the mentally ill, Ill parent and also the younger children in the family. So um, the court would look at, mm. be worried about that. Um, so what they're wanting to see is they're not worried about the condition. Generally, the judges aren't. They're just worried about are you managing it? And, you know, is the medication efficient right. and working and you're taking it? Okay, so if you are a listener and you have mental health issues, you've been diagnosed mm. with something um, in their affidavits and in their, I don't know, their presentation to the court, if, if they're going through mm. the court process, it's important for them to show maybe some sort of detailed yeah, information plan, or a plan, yep. a management Insight. plan. And, and I'm not talking about um, where you feel fine but where your ex is saying, uh, well, if he doesn't love me anymore, he must be mad. Or if she doesn't love me anymore, mm. she's off her head. Um, that's not, it's not mm. that sort of throwaway line. It's the actual condition. And, yeah. and if it's suggested that you have a mental health condition, you need to go and get assessed or you need to go and um, consult somebody so they can definitively say, no, you're fine. It, it might be what they call situational and just um, mm -hmm. around the separation. Some of my clients in the past were medicated just to get them through the divorce process because, like, it's just a terrible time for everybody. And uh, it's it's easy to think it's better to hide it. It's easy to try to uh, suppress it so that it can't be used against you, but it's really uh, better in nearly all cases, and this is general advice only, um, but it's generally better to look after yourself, look after your mental health, get a plan um, and move forward on it so the court can see that, oh, well, that's being dealt with and put that issue aside. Um, if, you know, only 2% or something, 2.4%, I think it was you said, end up in yes, actual trials, yes. uh, if it does end up in a trial, um, is that when maybe they would have experts talking about yes, your mental health? Um, or? But also in the interim allegations, like if there's an interim hearing, it might even be in the very first affidavit they write. So if you get an affidavit from or a letter from the other side that mentions your mental health, uh, then now that's the time to start um, putting your supports in place. So the very first time you go before the court, you can say, yeah, but... <laughs> or no, and here's yes. the proof, or yes, I have, but I'm seeing these people and I'm doing this. Yep. And this is what I do. What about if it's the other way around? And we get a lot of messages um, on Instagram in particular from people saying, my ex is really struggling and their mental mm. health is really bad. What am I supposed to do? Like, so if it's the yes. other way around, what should you be doing to ensure that you're doing the right thing by the children? Well, you've got to make sure your kids are safe, of course, uh, but then it's not really yes. your business anymore. Uh, if you're separated, mm. um, you will be very unwelcome if you write and suggest kindly that they get some help for mental health. I don't think that's going to work. Mm. Um, you can reach out mm. to relatives of theirs or friends of theirs that you know and ask them to check in Um Get them mm. to ring Lifeline on 131114 if they're, if they're having trouble. Get, tell your, their friends to help, their parents, someone to just check in on them. Um, it really matters uh, if they don't get treated. Um, 
that really matters. But if they're getting treatment and slowly recovering or, you know, if, like bearing in mind, they're still grieving, they may be grieving the marriage, um, another thing to do is to just take your time, give them some time, don't push things too much. We don't want children with an absent parent uh, through suicide. It impacts everybody. And so um, gently does it as and when they can handle it. Um, it's going to require a lot of patience. Uh, sometimes even waiting until they uh, go through the grieving phase and get to angry and then they can start the negotiations mm. and then um, you're out of the woods. But be very wary of pushing too hard um, if they're vulnerable. And this is typically our avoidant person uh, who doesn't want to face mm. it. I mean, you can't wait forever, uh, but... Um, if you think that giving it a couple of months, just letting things drift for a couple of months might be better, um, try that. And mm. we give some excellent strategies okay, so for avoidant people. You, you'll tone your correspondence yes. down. We've got mm. an episode. Uh, we've got an episode called "How to Divorce a yes. Statue." So that's all about how to do that avoidant uh, yep. separation. But yes, so we've got the avoidant uh, with mental health issues. What about high conflict with mental health oh, issues, mums? What if what if they're being at like um, we've had a, a someone who's just messaged us yesterday and uh, the question we put up was what's the hardest thing you're dealing with at the moment and she said um, getting all these letters from my ex all the time and now a magistrate's ordered she has to respond to them <laughs> within six hours um, that that mm. kind of high conflict mental health issue. That seems to come through a lot in a lot of our messages. What, what, if a listener out there mm. has that going on, and I know we did an episode on being bombarded mm. with legal letters, what you can do about it. How, how does the court deal with that side well, of things? Well, given that the court has a very high emphasis now on settlement, on negotiated outcomes um, and cooperation between people, um, then they take a very dim view of someone who's high conflict. Um, if they're high conflict and it's because they've got a mental health issue, then back to the basics, are they getting treatment for it? Is that closing down the high conflict a bit? Is that working? If not, um, then I think that the court needs to know that the high conflict person just is probably never going to never going to stop. What if they haven't got a mental health issue? They're just that sort of person. So um, I think the key is if it's mental health related and they get treatment, then the high conflict situation is probably only temporary um, or at least it will mm. relax. Um, I think my short answer, as you were asking me that question, I was thinking to myself, strap yourself in. <laughs> strap yourself in because it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> But, yeah, and we shouldn't oh laugh because I know so many people out there are going yeah. through such a heck well, of a time. Yeah. And I think you've, this mental health issue, really, when you think about it, when you plop it in it's, there, it just it exacerbates per everything. everything. Laura. And I can remember Judge Justice mm. Barry, who um, is passed away now, um, rest in peace, but he said you only end up in a trial if one of you is one of the parties is being unreasonable. Or at least he should have mm. said at least mm. one of the parties is being unreasonable. So, you know, sometimes in mm. spite of your best efforts uh, of doing everything you can to make sure you're supported and your mental health is supported and you're actually uh, doing these negotiations, I think in good faith it's important, um, you, you may still find yourself dragged to the door of the court because someone else 
hasn't got treatment for their uh, condition. Why then? Just yeah, putting oh, it out go. there into this the universe. It's going to be hard. Why? <laughs> Throw it at me, Rose. Why, why haven't they made it mandatory like mediation? If you're going to go to court, you must have mediation. Why not make it mandatory that you must go and see a counsellor? And discuss the issues with the counsellor. There are why not? Well, why they have haven't done, done it because um, it, I think it might be helpful. But where are these counsellors going to come from? Where there's a huge shortage of psychologists mm. and support people. That's true. All our clients will know. All our listeners will probably know if you've tried to reach out. Some of these services, I don't know where all the workers went during COVID, but <laughs> they're they're under the pump. They gave yeah. up, walked off, and so yeah. okay. Um, I think though. Okay. Uh, even though it's not ordered by the court, I don't think a mental health check-in is a bad idea for anyone going through it. So, and you can do it by mm. telehealth, you know, um, mm-hmm. and just check in mm-hmm. because we could all benefit from a little extra support. And your family and your friends will probably, like, get in the hole with you um, and go, yes, that's outrageous. How, how that? And But they're not actually offering constructive ways for you to to deal. So telehealth, I'd suggest mm. doing some meditation. Um, I've been in court with clients who have become distraught. We've turned out the light in the in the interview room and done a little meditation, a little calm meditation, which sounds very new age. <laughs> I would love someone to walk past and be like, why are they in there with the lights on? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's me. what it takes. Uh, but, yes, yeah, it, it, it works. And, you know, the, um, there's an app, yes. there's the Calm app. And the Calm app even now has, um, for busy people like me, because I hate sitting still, it has walking meditations. So you can yes. do it while you're walking. And I didn't. I, I gave it a try today and you know Did what, it? it actually worked. Well, they also have a silent one that I have been known to use um, and it's only like a couple of seconds, but it's breathe in, breathe out, and it's got a little circle that expands and goes and it's amazing. I like telling someone to take a deep breath and count to 10 is the old way, but now we're much more high tech mm. than that. <laughs> We'd much rather do it when a yes. phone tells us to. Um, so, okay, so if it's not mandatory yet mm. to go and do like like mediation, some sort of counselling, are there some structures in place that people put in orders yes. perhaps the judges put in place for mental health that maybe some of our listeners could consider if they're going sure. into negotiations and their partner or they yeah. have mental health issues what kind of safeguards can okay. be put in an orders for okay so this that? would apply to children's matters really going forward um like mm-hmm. i said it, when property settled it's none of your business if the other person gets treatment or not uh, but with children's orders the court may make an order um it, or you might make one by consent perhaps um that says that um and just to stop you there, Mum, by consent both means agree. you both agree. You could either to the both agree to it, or a court yes. might impose it if you went to a hearing. And the court yeah. um, might say something like this. Um, well, I won't give the legal terms, but they kind of the orders go as long as X continues to see their psychiatrist slash psychologist, doctor such and such, or it might not even name the person, and comply with the mm-hmm. medication, then the following time will happen with the children. And so so that right. that's kind of a precondition, you know, and they need mm. to, and they probably, in some orders, they'll put in um, ways of proving that. You know, and the and or they might they might say that the other person, the other parent, 
um, is authorised to contact that psychiatrist or psychologist to get a record of how many times or how frequently their partner's going, just to make sure they're still going. You don't get access, never would get access to what's being discussed, but you may be able to, mm. in an extreme case, just keep an eye on how frequently they're going and that they're, they're getting their treatment so that they can continue to see the kids. So if yes. you've got, yeah, so okay. if you're looking at orders that will finalise things and some things are still fluid, like is that person going to continue to get their um, go to the doctor so that you can make it their time with the kids conditional upon them getting that treatment or you could say sorry to interrupt this podcast but we have some valuable information that might just help you out if you're separated or about to be and ready to get everything finalized and sorted but you don't know what to do next or you're looking for a way to do your own divorce and settlement without spending thousands of dollars on lawyers or you're looking to make property and parenting agreements and finalise your divorce papers with your ex-partner while keeping in control and in the know of each step and stage that needs to be done in the legal process, then you already know what you need to do. And that is to sign up to our DIY Divorce Blueprint. Empower, educate and equip yourself with the legal know-how and tools you need to get divorced and finally settle. Work through this course at your own pace without feeling confused, lost, scared and overwhelmed with the family law legal jargon and processes. We invite you to the DIY Divorce Blueprint, lovingly created by mum with over 40 video lessons, PDF templates, swipe files and letter template guides. We're there for you. Enroll now. Go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and find out more. So that you can make it their time with the kids conditional upon them getting that treatment or you could say that they have this treatment, uh, that they have the children or you have the children at these days and that you or that person will continue to attend upon their psychiatrist or their doctor or whatever it is. Okay, so where it's, so it's not mm. as you're only going to see the kids if you go to keep going to your psych, psychologist or psychiatrist. That's one really strong one and allowing you to check. And a mm. less strong one is just an order that you must continue to get treatment. And what the court will do then is say for as long as that treating practitioner, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, considers necessary. So you, you really, um, the person shouldn't stop. They're bound by that order unless they get a letter from the psychologist that says, you know what, I don't need to see you anymore. You're fine off your trot. Okay, so that's a, a different mm. way that they can do it. Another way um, that they could do it is uh, to um, have supervision for a person who's got some mental health issues, but they, that way they can still see the child and the children can see them, that parent safely um, and, and retain that connection. So supervision means that somebody else mm. is present when the parent is with the children, whether it's grandparents or at a contact yes. centre, that sort of kind of supervision. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, um, and and is it possible to have pro, uh, orders that kind of step it out so it's scaffolded? It can be, but, but get except that a person is either medication compliant and controlled or they're not, I don't think, you can work. You can't assume, and I do remember making this argument once to the court, that a person's condition will uh, be be completely improved in two years and therefore we remove the supervision. Do you know that supervision um, phrase really rankles um, people a lot 
if they're ordered to have time supervised by anybody. And I just wonder, I like to think of it as supported by, you know, mm. and really it's... Mm. Maybe they That's need to right, change to support it. it, to support it. Yeah. So it, the children's time yeah. with the parent is supported by such and such. Look, and if that's if that's the only way that you can get to see your children, then I would Absolutely. be taking it hands down to yeah. see my children, I guess. And that's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow, I guess, for some parents because you know they say, "Oh, mm. and my children." Like I'm, mm. I'm capable. I guess though, when you're when you have a mental health issue, you're not fully aware of the situation no. I guess and that's the whole problem with mental health I guess it's the trickiness yeah. of it so okay so that's how the court can order maybe some scaffolding around mm. mental health mm. with children um mum is it like I've watched a lot of detective <laughs> murder thingies and people get off uh of committing murder because they've been committed insane or you know they've got a multiple personality disorder or they're schizophrenic and they they don't get charged with proper murder because mm. you know they they didn't technically do it because of them it mm. was their mental health does that kind of rule apply in the family court like is there like when people do things that are really bad or wrong or they don't follow the orders or uh, they're just off yeah. off off the tangent just do, mm. do they well, get off off on that as well because of that? Some orders are orders and they're mostly to protect the children. So there's not a lot of leniency Mm. there. Um, But in procedural matters, um, it depends on the judge you get, uh, but one lovely judge here in Queensland, I heard him give a little talk about drug, drug use and this person hadn't filed any documents when they were supposed to. And he said in his experience, people who take hard drugs don't usually manage to file their documents and they don't usually get to court on time. Um, but he said it's like a, a broken arm or a broken leg or, or diabetes. You have to choose to get treated. And so I think that uh, in terms of the children, they take no chances, right? So you may end up with a supervised mm-hmm. order or you may end up with no time. Um, but in terms mm-hmm. of the actual rules of the court, uh, we're a lot less, I guess, judgy um, about it, a lot less black and white. Yeah. I can remember when having marijuana um, in, you know, during the marriage was enough to stop you seeing the kids. Um, but now um, they're, they're, it's much more nuanced, you know, but they, the kids are the main thing. And this is general advice only, don't go it starting is, smoking course. marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we you were talking about the words. Yeah, that's true. You, uh, well, generally what happens yeah. is, oh, he or she smoked marijuana during the marriage and then they come back and go, well, she did too. And then the court's like, yes, but what are you doing <laughs> oh, now? Dear. We don't want to look back. We're looking now. And, mm. and they might order drug tests and things for that, hair tests. So when you were talking about the new words, maybe using, when I was talking about using maybe a new word for supervision, we did change words years ago because we used to have custody and access and custody, people wanted Uh. full custody um, and it became a very possessive term. So in 2006, Mm. probably the only change or one of the very few changes in 2006 that I agree with um, to the Family Law Act, they took out that word custody and said lives with and a child can then live with both parents they can live with one parent even if it's 13 days a fortnight and live with the other one day but it just that change of language um 
Oh, the psychological it did. It barrier really yes. assisted. Yeah. It really, it doesn't look like one's yeah. the baddie and one's the goodie. You know, it might be purely practical mm. reasons. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So again, if this mm. has brought any any issues up with you, of course, call Lifeline one three one 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 four. Um, but Mum, I guess. When it comes to anybody who's listening, they might not be in the court yeah. system yet, but either they have mental health issues or their their ex or the, the co-parent has mental health issues. What are some tips on how people can work around it during negotiations? Because court yeah. is a different thing. Once you've got an order set in place to mm. scaffold and manage it, that's fine. But what about during negotiations? If, say, like you said, people of course they're going to be depressed. It's one of the most stressful times you can have in your life along with moving mm. and changing jobs. Moving on with from a partner and all of that Losing is Losing your crazy. house maybe or um, yeah, so it's, it's just awful. Yeah, all of yeah. that. It's, it's like a whole rebirth and some people it does take time for them to get through it. If you're trying to negotiate with someone who is really struggling with their mental health, what kind of strategies do you have? And that's, you know, how do lawyers mm. work around it? Like when you're dealing okay. with that negotiation. So the way, the way that I would work around it, and this would include in a mediation or leading up to mediation when you talk about negotiations, um, I would consider what sort of things might trigger the other person and avoid those. Um, I get my clients to read mm-hmm. the letter through. And if you've got someone who is absolutely, like they might might have a job, they might be a um a nurse, a registered nurse, and you call them a nurse's aide in the letter, um, you know, that's going to send them off. Uh, get your client. I always get my client, and you guys, you can read it yourself. Just make sure you haven't accidentally or even on purpose put anything in a letter that might, might, might stop them reading the whole letter, so to speak, but just reacting to that one little bomb in there. So I always keep in mind the audience of any written communication that I have and what they're thinking. And I'll often say to my clients, okay, if we write this, what what is it in there? Is he going to say no to? What is the, you know, what should we be wary of? And so that's one way of doing it. Um, Again, it matters if it's treated. And I think just, mm. just, Mum, yeah. can I just mention there that, and I know there'll be some people out there that are like, I don't care if they have yeah. mental health issues. That's their problem. They put that on themselves because yeah. maybe they cheated or maybe they they left them or whatever it is. So pe- people I are like, you. I don't care. I it's their you. problem. <laughs> but I think what you're trying to say is, to stay out of court, mm-hmm. to get it sorted, to get it negotiated, doing the tiptoe on eggshells or tiptoeing around their triggers in the short term to get what you want is a it is. I love end, that. I guess, and you just tiptoe around yeah. like you're on eggshells to avoid their triggers is probably what you've been doing the whole marriage, or at least towards the end of the marriage, mm. to the point where you'd had enough. And so sometimes I do get clients who are just fed up with being nice. But this is a means to an Hmm. end and I always say to them, you've done it for 10 years, 20 years, whatever. You can do it for another couple of months. It doesn't matter that he's getting empowered or she's getting empowered. Who cares? You get what you want and it depends, you know, and get you out. So that's how I I would Hmm. regard that. And if you've got kids, you've just got to think more of the kids. Um, They've all been through it. If you've Hmm. been on eggshells, so have they. Um, if if you um, mm. upset the parent, the other parent, um, then they're going to be parented by someone who's upset. It just never, if yeah. you I find 
um, in life and I'm, you know, getting on so I can say, I can pontificate. But if you do things other than from a place of love, um, it has a really bad mm. ripple effect. So just try to, to try to be a little bit compassionate, no matter how big a jerk or a bitch she is. Sorry, no matter how bad they are. But I guess that's true. I think you're just going to have to go, yeah, but I've already left Mm -hmm. them for that reason. I don't want to keep giving them this kind of thing. That's their problem. But I think what you've got to just kind of suck it up and go, okay, this is for a short-term situation. Once the divorce is finalized, once the orders are set in place, when everything's done, then I can set my boundaries and the, the, what what's their problem is their problem beautifully and it's no said. longer mine, I guess. Is beautifully what said, Laura. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and yeah. separation um, and divorce is a process. It's not it's not an act. It's not the day that you leave the house or they leave the house. It's not hey, a switch. No, you wish. It's, just, yeah, it's not a switch. Oh, really? If oh, we could goodness. invent that switch, we would sell it for a million dollars. No, we'd sell it for free so everyone yeah. can just turn off but the But you can't. It took you a long done, time to done. get married. No. That's how you think. I think about yeah. that from when you met to when you marry. Um, the, it took a long time mm-hmm. and um, so expect it to take a while to get out of the situation, you know, and you've made the first step if you've mm-hmm. left, um, but it is a process. Yeah. So hold on a bit longer, yeah, mm-hmm. if you can. Okay, if you've got any other tips other than making sure you know what their triggers are and you're not triggering them even though I know some of you out there are like oh I'd love to put that in the letter because that'll mm. really upset them so don't do that because that's that. not going to get you a mediation don't, success you're going to end up don't in make court. things land on um, their email box on Valentine's Day or their birthdays or Father's no. Day just don't don't yeah. be that person we always yeah they're not yeah. my cli- and, my clients yeah. don't do that I won't let them any other tips, Mum? Any other tips for anyone yeah, dealing with I think mental health? We've talked about both side. sides. We haven't talked about the children. Um, and you you touched on it a little bit when you were teaching. Um, I also taught for a while. Mm. And I remember um, that kids, I, I would later on, they'd be awful during the day. And then later on discover that their parents were in court that day and someone had told the mm. children. So I think you need to tell the school um, where your kids go, um, uh, we have a sort of a neutral one, neutral type letter in our uh, divorce course. But write and tell them factually just to let you know, you know, Jimmy's little Jimmy's father and I separated on Sunday. He may be a little bit out of colour or, he, you know, could you just please? And they'll, that means the teachers can understand what they're dealing with, you know. Um, there's that. Mm. Also, children, mm. um, they can access the school council. The schools are, are good. They're not going to be the only kids at the school with that issue. Um, and so they need their support because they're the only ones probably in the whole setup uh, between you, your partner and them that don't feel relief. So you and your partner probably deep down there's a sense of relief that it stopped, you had to separate. From the kids' point of view, they were perfectly fine and all they ever want is for the parents to get back together again. They just, that's all they ever want. So there's grieving for them to do. Um, And they've got two parents Mm. who are negatively impacted by what they're going through. So it's pretty awful. Mm. So just don't forget the kids and the support they need. I really bird up, have always got a cranky when people go, oh, well, they're resilient, children are resilient. No, no, they're not. And 
she's old enough to know. No, she's not. <laughs> so don't put mm. your adult stuff on the kids, no matter how desperate you feel. Um, you can't do that. You, ha- mm. you can't um, just, after all, they're, they're the future and your conduct now and the support they get now will determine whether or not they can successfully have their own relationship, choose a good life partner, and if they're raising children, do that well. So you're, it's your gift to the future if you keep your stuff separate and keep it away from the kids and support the children so it's minimal impact on them. If you if you don't do it, mm. if you, uh, you know, dump on the kids or cry on the kids or um, speak negatively about their other parents so they feel rubbish in both households, uh, then that's not a gift to your future children and grandchildren. That's a uh, poison chalice you're passing on. So... Mm. Yes, and I think I think it is really important as well to note that you know um, co-parenting is hard. Uh, it's easy for some people, maybe on Instagram, who make it look glamorous uh, and it's easy. But not everybody's relationships are the same. Maybe you've come from an abusive relationship, uh, and you need to somehow co-parent still. Maybe you know you you've really had your heart broken by someone. Um, and you know co-parenting is hard but I guess don't feel like it's your fault and you've broken your children because then sometimes you have to leave it's better for them but as long as you know and you show them that they're loved by both parents and that you have that respect there and their ability for both parents uh, for them to talk that they love about both parents they're okay to say you know, yeah. if they're fun. properly supported, yeah. the kids will get through it. And the interviews that I've seen um, through the Australian Institute of Family Studies, in when the children look back, they go, it was much better having two happy parents uh, in two households than mm. to live in one household with parents who were unhappy. Um, so the children, mm. even if deep down they know that the situation wasn't ideal, um, it takes them a while to realise looking back. And, and of course, don't forget either, um, like I said, they're not going to be the only kids at the school and they talk amongst themselves and they peer support themselves and they'll pr- quickly find the positives uh, with the two Christmases, yes. two lots of birthday presents, all of that. Um, if you mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. your cards right and you, no matter how much it galls you, um, just it's a business your co-parenting is a business and you don't have to um, love or even like your business partner Uh, you just have to do the business of raising those children is there some uh, scaffolding that people can look for to put in their consent orders in their mediation or with their parenting orders for mental health for the children are there any things Mm. that people will discuss in that so can you give us some examples of what people could think about Okay, so court orders, um, if you're putting them in your orders that you agree to or if the court's making orders, they won't make orders to do the, for the kids to do things, of course. They, they'll only make orders about you and your partner or former partner. But they may put uh, an order such as that, that both parents cooperate and make sure that little Jimmy gets to his psychologist appointments and that he'll continue to go there or that, you know, that... Um, he will, you know, they'll support him in going to his count, school counsellor or they'll make sure that he um, continues his extracurricular activities like his footy and his violin and clarinet, all of which support their mental health, uh, the children's mental health. And, you know, with people, um, you 
even though you're going through this and it feels terrible, try to find some time for you. Try to keep um, doing the things that give you joy, even if you're dragging yourself there and, and looking like hell while you do it. Just keep it up. Keep up the walking, the swimming, whatever it mm. is that you love. The routine. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. yeah, just yeah. Um, try to take time for yourself so that you can support the kids through it. Mm. And we have done an episode as well on how to just put a pause basically um, when you feel like your divorce process negotiations are spinning mm. out of control. We've done a whole episode on how you can just kind of put a pause on it um, if you can to just get that breather, to have a break, get yourself back into a, a, a stable state uh, mm. mentally so that you can deal with things better because when we have a clear mind when we're mentally well we can make better yeah. decisions you can you can make clearer decisions and the hardest part that we've talked about mum I guess is you're making decisions that will affect your future your yeah. kids future for the rest of goodness knows how long um it, you know you, the best possible decisions the biggest decisions you're going to have to make the negotiations the agreements percentages mm -hmm. times dates whatever you want to be in the best mental health you can be because otherwise you're not going to make the greatest decisions. Mm. So really putting your mental health as a priority during this phase is so important. And and I think, you know, some of us poo-poo meditation or whatever, but just commit to it, just give it a try, maybe a gratitude diary or a journal um, or going for a walk every day. Just commit to do something because maybe – going for that walk every day or doing that meditation every day might make the difference between you making a boo-boo mm. mistake that may affect you for the next four years in yeah. your agreement to making the I best think, decisions. And, and you make. know, I'm um, I'm very reluctant with things like that um, being, you know, a bit, of, a bit old school, but how I deal with it, because it took me a while to find what resonates with me. So I decided to give mm. everything just a couple of minutes. I can do that for three minutes. I can, and I'd do that for two weeks and see if it made me feel any better or change. And and you can see things, read books like The Atomic Habits by James Cleary. Mm -hmm. um, he talks about how you, you can develop a new habit. But if you've never had time for yourself, it's it's very hard to know what you're kind of going to be into. So um, I would give different little strategies to try and see if something resonates with you. Yeah, and maybe put a Facebook post out and be like, hey, anybody got any tips on how they, you know, look after yeah. their mental health or how you No, don't put that on Facebook. Facebook in case <laughs> it's using course. Um, but, yeah, so, so maybe just groups. ask your friends and, and, and yeah. have a little try. Yeah, have a try of a little bit of everything. And, and look, if you're at the separation process where you're no longer a part of a, yeah. a team, you, you know, you're separated from your partner, whether you're left or not, you're going to have that yeah. extra time available. Take up the ukulele um, or if, yeah, <laughs> give, give it a, a go. Yeah. Find your joy. So I, I yep. think, um, Mum, we're definitely going to do some more in-depth. We're going to do a two-part series with a we psychologist soon, yeah. soon um, talking about the how to help your children through the divorce process um, and also how to help yourself. And that psychologist is actually your other <laughs> daughter. <laughs> I have um, such so talented So going to be... <laughs> a mother and I double know. daughter team in those episodes and they will be She's coming up. So if this qualified, has resonated with uh, you, can... 
Definitely, um, yeah, stay tuned for those coming up. And, again, if anything has triggered you in this situation, uh, if you're worried about your mental health or somebody else's, ring Lifeline 131114. Think of of Um, one good reason to stay alive if you're thinking that. And and there's no shame in ringing 131114. They can talk to you. It's anonymous and it just might help you get some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So if that is um, anything in there that you've got any questions about, you can mm. always email us at the divorce course podcast at gmail.com. And of course, starting next week, we are also drawing our next uh, podcast reviewer for a free chat with <laughs> mum for 30 minutes. So a consultation. You would like to be yeah, in the confidential draw for that. consultation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not a chat. Not and a there's chat. no strings yes, attached. Okay, <laughs> No, yes, of course. Mum's nope. not looking for new clients. And if you would like that, please make sure you give us a review on Apple Podcasts and that would be amazing. Make sure you check out the other episodes yep. that we have coming up. And also, if you haven't already, we've got that webinar coming up on who stays mm. in the house, the properties, the the who, what, when, why, where of family law and property. If you would like to come along to that webinar, you just need to go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and click on reserve your seat Sweet. and we will see and you there. Of course, all of what we've said Thank you so Laura, much, is general advice only, but I'm hoping some of it is relevant and helpful to the people that are listening today. Yep. Mm. And we our do. hearts go out to everybody who messages us and tells yeah. us these things. So take care, everyone. Thank you so Thank much, you, Laura. for coming along. And Thank we'll you. see Bye-bye. you next week. Thank you. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.